Hello, everybody. This is the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. Get it. We're 20, uh, what are we, 20? 20, in the 20s. In the 20s. We don't want to yeah. date ourselves yeah. too badly. Yeah. We're, we're 20-something year Wall Street professionals that uh, every week um, bring you commentary, candid commentary. Extremely candid. Unvarnished, candid. I believe, is the technical term. Um, on Value Line's uh, weekly stock picks. Uh, this week we're going to be looking at the Value Line Investment Survey from today, August 25th. Uh, heavy on uh, financials, uh, but also heavy on tech. Interesting, um, I guess, interest-sensitive uh, group. I've got one, thanks. Oh, sure. Anytime. That's all right. Uh, we want to remind everybody we're doing this for, uh, for entertainment purposes. Um, and we may we, not uh, be entertaining, by the way, but we, that's what we're and, doing it. And we know for. that. We're still willing to yeah, plow ahead and on the edge of, do uh, our best. Trying to do uh, our we best. might own the stocks we talk about. We might have other interests in them. what their prices do. But uh, uh, so you, you know, you need to recognize uh, you need to recognize that, but also recognize that we are trying to do uh, do our best, our level best, our uh, level best to well bring you. Said. I'm good, trying to be extremely high level. quality, value we oriented. We don't want to have any tilted opinions here. Stock ideas. Absolutely. In other words, we're going to take the hundred stocks every week and winnow it down to a handful. That a you handful. ought to concentrate your time. I have a few this week. Um, I've got. Uh, what are you going to do? I'm sort of internet for? focused. Um, okay. Sorta. Okay. Well, I don't know, too. but I'm, I'm more on the tech side. You probably have a lot of financials. No, I, are you kidding? Thank to me, every bank looks alike, and they all sell the same thing. You I know, mean, I, I, I spent them. some time looking at American Express them. and Ameriprise Financial. I thought there might be, you know, there probably are some interesting stories there. I actually am going to talk about one. But um, worth talking about. We're going to let value you go first guys, this week. Generally, I think 20% of a value guy's portfolio is generally going to be in financials. In financials, just because you know, of the they're low cheap. multiples. Yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway, where are we? What are we doing? Do we have uh, disclosures? What about disclosures? I did the disclosures. So it's now so going to get going? So what you should do, actually, is go to our website, www.thevalueguys.com, and you can read all of the appropriate caveats and more about us and our uh, sparkling um, careers. Well, our secret identities. <laughs> and our secret, secret identities. There's photos of us on this um, Okay, so. But you won't, find, you won't find our real voices there either. No. So. So am I going first, or what are yeah, we doing Yeah, no, you're now? going first. Okay. I, I told him. All right, well, let me kick it off. Let me kick stuff. off. I might not be going in alphabetical order or anything here, but this week they're looking at the bank industry. Uh, yawn, not interested, okay? Then we get to the financial services industry. I've talked Smaller about some yawn, of these. but... Well, there's a lot of good brands in here, but, you know, financial services is, let's, you know, understand it's primarily a marketing business. They're all selling the same thing, money. Or hopes of making more money. What else is there to sell? You know, uh, grandparents playing with grandkids. Where do you really get to own that sort of thing? It's just all about the money. They, but the good brands will do well. There's some guys in here with great returns on capital. They know how to acquire customers well and, you know, make money off them. So, but I, I didn't City Group's in there. Value Line likes know them. That. Well, uh, uh, a good friend of mine actually is, a, is, a, is an analyst on that stock. And, and thinks it's terrific. I got to go with that. Great worldwide brand. But Value Line, uh, Value Line initiated coverage of Lazard this week. You know, T Row Price. I didn't look carefully at the valuation. A very well performing fund family right now, uh, growing very rapidly, accumulating a lot of assets. A lot of economies um, of scale in know marketing. A, know a lot of the uh, know a lot of the portfolio managers there. Very high caliber people. Uh, they're doing a good job of retaining them. 
But that's they've not, always I'm been sorry. a good shot. Yeah. Let's talk about yeah, the Yeah, we're getting off about. track. Right. Anyway, uh, okay, I'm going to dive in here. My point is I don't get much in the financial industry that I can recommend. I'm in the computer software services industry, and I want to talk about one that I have you know, have owned for a long time. It's an evolving story. It's electronic uh, data systems. Um, uh, page 2195, um, and uh, you know this is a giant computer servicing network software servicing company. That's Ross Perot's. Old it's company, the old, yeah. Ross Perot started this, uh, and you know, aside from his media exploits and all that, and political exploits, he started a terrific company. It was so good, in fact, they got a huge piece of GM's business, and then GM eventually bought them. Uh, they tried to have this tracking stock, GME, for a number of years. And, you know, people bought it like it was a stock. It was just a, you know, basically a dividend on, you know, the earnings of that company. But anyway, the, the news is, is that uh, this company is uh, independent uh, from GM now. That's been true for a number of years. And one of the first things they did, this is about four or five years ago, is they, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're one of the only companies in the world, and I'm talking of four or five handful of companies, that can take on the job of making sure that governments and military uh, systems don't go down. They compete in a world of, you know, four or five players. And in that vein, a few years ago, they took on this giant U.S. Navy contract, and in order to, to, to you know, win the business, they... they I know, remember this, but that's yeah. like, hasn't that contract been worked off? Well, I, my point is that this thing is just starting to get into the point where they're going to start to make some money on it. They're going to have this contract, I guess, for the next 20, 30 years. It's theirs to lose now. They won it by, you know, basically taking two, two three years of losses. Uh, they've renegotiated it a couple of times, and they're in a position, particularly with the state of the world now, um, you know, it's electronic systems that can save lives. That's been true uh, since World War II and, you know, the, the Enigma code-breaking uh, uh, events. But, you know, it's still true, and you know, these guys are going to have a piece of all of that. In addition, uh, increasingly productivity is driven by systems, and, again, there's only a handful of people that can do this. These guys right now, the thing to even talk about it, reason to talk about it is it's trading at 23 bucks they're going to generate four bucks in cash flow this year uh, so that's you know what i'm do the math five times cash flow uh they spend about two bucks per share on capex so even on net free cash flow it's about 10 times uh the stock you know looks expensive on earnings simply because they're not flowing all the cash flow down to the bottom line they've got a lot of depreciation and uh, that's for businesses bought in the past. It's a non-cash item. I'd say the key to EDS is cash flow. And their return on capital, a key metric, at least for the value guys, for Val, is, uh, is starting to turn positive such that it, it got down into the low single digits. This stock got down to, you know, 10 bucks four years ago. Frankly, that's where I bought it. It's been gradually improving, but it's still been underperforming. The metrics here are turning positive. Uh, the value of what they do is going up, and, you know, it's not expensive. Um, they've got a lot of cash on the balance sheet. Additionally, they've got $2.5 billion of net cash. That's 5 bucks a share stock at 23 so net of cash, the stock's at 18 You got value line saying 4 and a quarter this year in cash flow, 480 next year. It just gets better. And the big news is, you know, they're not going to be obsolesced or put out of business by a foreign competitor or have the economy of the world moving away from their industry. I mean, these guys are in with five guys 
bidding on the biggest jobs in technology maintenance in the world, and uh, that's an annuity that's worth more than five, you know, or more than ten times cash flow, in my opinion. So that's uh, EDS. All right, what do you think of that, Vern? <coughs> Excuse me, Vern. Oh, the evaluation yeah. story is, uh, I mean, it's compelling. Yeah, it's compelling. Uh, undeniable. It's okay. All right. Well, great. I think you have to own it. You have to own it. But I, I also think it may take a while to work. Yeah. Okay. Well, Vern is. Uh, I'm busy scribbling. He's busy. He's here. doing another stuff here. I can't. Oh, I don't even want to describe. I'm going to be talking. Yeah, about I understand. There's a lot of important so. stuff coming. Okay. Uh, next up, let's see here. What do I got? Uh, internet. They do a lot of internet. Now, I've owned, I've owned all three of the stocks I want to talk about. The first one up is uh, a little company called uh, eBay. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's out there. It's big. It's getting bigger. I've actually written on this company, got to know the, the management here years ago. Uh, that doesn't give me any edge in understanding what's happening. What's happening is buyers want to go where there's the most sellers, and sellers want to go where there are the most buyers. And that just spirals into a black hole of annuity, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, uh, the other big news with eBay is for the first time really in history across the world, uh, you know, you have used goods across the world, which is about 90% of the goods, or more, 95, are now competing with new goods. So, in effect, if you need something, obviously uh, you'd have to buy it new. Now, uh, every garage in the world now competes with the new good. And, you know, and there's a lot of stuff out there that people used once or twice is perfectly good for you and your company. Increasingly, it's being used by industrial companies to sell goods that are a year out of date or two years out of date. It's being used as a clearance shop by, you know, Fortune 500 companies. eBay is, you know, earning its place at the center of the global economy to move goods in an efficient way. And I know there's a lot of issues about fraud and legality and et cetera. eBay's been winning some cases here that if there's a criminal on the site, you know, they're not responsible. And that's good news. Uh, you know, I don't think... Uh, I don't think Walmart's responsible if there's a criminal in their store, and so that 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 was all maybe in question. Uh, a lot of good rulings that eBay's just a well, conduit. Well, that just protect. All that does is protect the uh, you know the equity value. It's important. I don't mean that it isn't. They've but, also that's right. Uh, but there are now established auction sites for some of those industrial markets that you're talking about, where because they specialize, they also develop a, uh, a relationship with somebody who can provide some kind of verification of the goods being sold, and might even offer some kind of certification that, uh, not that it'll work as intended, but that it is as represented, that, you know, the, uh, the bulldozer's really there, it really uh, does appear to have, you know, this many hours on it or whatever. So well, all of that is it's attached. It's not going to be, uh, it won't be a walk in the park. Well, they're not going to have 100% market share, let's face it. So yeah, there's going to be people go. that have specialized niches. But uh, to give you a sense of the growth here, eBay has doubled over the last two years. Uh, they now, and I don't have the statistics in front of me, if you get the annual report, it's all in there. But this company, in terms of the number of goods they move, because remember, their revenues only represent a, a, a couple percent oh, a of the goods that move. The they now move more goods. They're responsible for exchange, for trade, of a number that's bigger than Walmart. And, you know, they're really, in effect, the biggest conduit to trade in, uh, I think, the world, and that's a little bit lost on people. They don't want to advertise that. But they're, the point of me telling you that is they're not going to lose that position. Uh, there's a black hole of buyers attracting sellers, attracting buyers. It just continues. And they've also done something that's pretty smart. 
is that while they have, uh, you know... He means like a black hole that sucks everything in. Sucks everything in, yeah, right. Okay. Not a not the one you don't want to fall in because it's uh, right. bottomless. Uh, physics black hole, you know, that yeah. type of thing. Right, right. Okay. Attracting galaxies with the gravity of your power, you know, that all of that. But, you know, eBay... Uh, is, now, the point of me talking about this, because we're value guys, you're like, why are you talking about eBay? Well... The value of what they do just keeps going up. You know, a few years ago, they weren't at the center of the universe. Now they are. That's all pretty clear. Their growth rates have fallen a little bit, but, um, you know, value line itself is still predicting 20% growth in revenues and earnings. And, yeah, ouch, that's down from 50% that they used to do. Uh, and there's a lot of noise by the sellers about eBay doing this and that. And, you know, to me, that's just tenants. Well, they're raising uh, their fees, yeah. aren't well, they? Well, that's just tenants complaining about what the landlords of a good location are doing. And, you know, if you own eBay, you own the landlord. Well, that's probably the, upside to whatever value lines uh, well, forecast were here, too. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. But the point I wanted to make about what eBay is doing is their returns on capital have been running right around 10%. Uh, they invest enormous amounts of money, uh, and that's not a margin issue. They're returning 30% on, uh, on sales, and you know, that, that's a good margin in any business. But their return on capital being 10 11% is driven by their you know, purchase of assets with their enormous cash flows. And I think uh, they keep the return on capital right at the level where it's a good return. They, could, they have no debt. They could lever this up twice. They could be earning two, you know, 25% returns on, cap, on or equity if they chose. They keep it right around 11, which is, you know, good enough to satisfy shareholders, and certainly they could increase it if they wanted with debt. But it's also low enough to prevent anyone from really trying to come in and would have to use marketing dollars to punch in. They can't do it because they're not going to be able to earn returns that will justify well, it, the investment. It would undercut any organized resistance to something like a fee increase as well. They can, I, they can go to they can go to merchants or traders on their site and say, well, we're not exactly taking you to the cleaners here. Well, anyone who's selling on eBay can certainly go open a store That's in their right. town anytime they want. I think it's just the landlord ha owns it. Anyway, the point of all this, because I haven't gotten to the most important part, I'm just going on about how great eBay is, but right now it's the cheapest it's ever been in history on a price-sales basis. I'm suggesting they're bagging a little bit on their returns here just to keep people out for a while, and they can ultimately increase them at some point whenever they're choosing. Uh, and right now uh, they're trading at, uh, you know, Value Line says a buck and a quarter cash flow per share or 25 bucks. That's 20 times cash flow, which I'm a value guy, like 10. But on revenues, which I think is more indicative of what they could generate in cash flow if they so chose, this is a fee on service, um, you know, that's five, six times. So, you know, the stock has taken a big hit here. It's down at 25, off a high uh, last year of 60. I just think it's a good place to wade in. It's not a great traditional value, but in the sense of them having an effect, on, um, um, some, some type of annuity on all commerce is, I think, value. Uh, finally, I want to get to something called, uh, which people may not have heard of, United Online, UNTD. Uh, this trades on the NASDAQ. This is the biggest company you never heard of. Uh, they have some brands that are among the biggest on the internet, including uh, Juno, Net Zero, Classmates, and recently they bought a little thing called MyPoints.com from uh, United Airlines. They paid at a tremendous price. I think they paid four or five times cash flow. 
uh, this is a company, their biggest business right now is what they call value dial-up. And uh, So uh, for people that don't have broadband or wireless access who still use a telephone to get onto the Internet, which is still a lot of people, um, in fact, uh, you know, AOL has about 18 million people on dial-up right now that right now are paying 23 bucks a month. And uh, they, they charge $9.95 to, uh, to about 3 million customers that use their service to dial up. They're the cheapest way on the Internet. Um, and, of course, that market's eroding. Uh, DSL at 12 and 16 bucks a month and stuff like that is attracting people. But the erosion rate is about 10% a year. That's a, what I like to think of as a half-life. So you got about five years from now, you'll have half the customers. Five years later, half yet. And you're always going to have, you know, let's face it, Western Union still does a good business, you know, and uh, that company uh, has been around about 150 years. They, so, you know, they just quit uh, doing telegrams. I know. That's what I'm saying. Their, so Their business is now money transfer services. They're expanded rapidly abroad. I actually, they're part of something that's in this. Well, I read that, and that's why I mentioned that. Western Union, so there's going to be value dial-up, and I don't know how worried you are about it, but for, you know, another 100 years, and then it'll fade out completely. But the, the, these guys are generating 85% margins on the dial-up. They put no money into it. The thing about this management team is, it's so attractive to me anyway, is they are so ROI focused, they understand the value of a customer, how much it costs to attract a customer, how much you can earn on a customer, how much it costs to get that customer to spend more money with you, and they've shown themselves to be pretty savvy. They were part of the team that took Juno public during the internet bubble, and while everyone else was spending all their money like a ban wild abandon, these guys were hoarding cash, carefully attracting customers at a good value, and uh, you know, still have some of that cash today. The company right now has 150 million in cash, no debt. There's, uh, let's see here, 64 million shares. So that's two bucks a share in cash on a, you know, $10 stock price. They have so much cash flow that uh, they recently, about a year ago, increased the dividend. You now have about a 7% yield. The street doesn't like this. The street doesn't like this because you know the dial-up is going away. But uh, they've made some important purchases to migrate their business to existing online. You know, not traffic. to mention the fact that the street doesn't have a conception of how many people out there would strain to be able to afford 9.95 a month for the luxury of dial-up service. Well, I think there's a lot of people, you know, the street is going to think that's going to go away faster than it'll real go, really go away. There's a lot of people, you know, not a lot, but it may, there's there's black and white televisions out there, there's dial phones, there's people with no microwaves. All there's the some there's there's VCRs that are still flashing 12, you know, but so there's going to be a lot of stuff uh, and dial-ups going to be around, but there is a half-life. And if you value that at about five times cash flow, uh, which just means it has to last basically five more years at this level. Now, there's more complicated than that, but it probably will. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, that's a 20% return on cash. They've spent their money very wisely the past few years. They bought a little thing called Classmates, which is one of the most trafficked uh, sites on the, on the web, probably one of the first sort of social networking sites before that was the buzzword for what that is. But they get people together from, you know, everyone I'm talking to is probably on that. Uh, and then a few months ago, they bought this MyPoints.com from United at about five times cash flow. So anyway, I'm going on about it because I just love their attention to return on capital. And I think that ultimately they're going to be rewarded for that, a little thing called United Online UNTD. And uh, Vern? 
I also wanted to just, I'm not going to get into it because of the time, but. Well, why, how about the conclusion? Conclusion, 1-800-Flowers. Uh, what's the ticker here? FLWS. I knew these guys. I covered the stock. Uh, they're one of the original direct marketers. There's long history here. Uh, the management team is much better than their results suggest. Return on capital in the low single digits, mid-single digits. I think that's a function of them accumulating a lot of terrific brands, uh, in the, mainly from the, the catalog, catalog world. Sign. Plow and Hearth, GreatFoods.com, Heart Song. They do all those nice children's toys. Magic, uh, what's that say? Cow, uh, I, I drew all over it. Anyway, I don't know what that is. The Popcorn Factory, the Wine Tasting Network, Cheryl and Company, which is a nice apparel catalog. Fannie Mae, the chocolate guy. So they've accumulated. Chocolates with flowers. Mm. Yeah, I mean, exactly. They, they've, they've, what else you got? They've accumulated some brands. They're online. They know customer acquisition costs. And then uh, finally, uh, that's, that is. I have wow, nothing else. All I was going to say is Google's too expensive. I I'd have to not buy it here. Thank you. Yeah, I, I went through the uh, I went through the internet stocks fairly carefully, trying to find some value because you know in the post in the post bubble world, there um, there occasionally is some to be found. And I, I guess I my conclusions would be similar to Val's. Uh, beyond Google being too expensive, I'd add to that. Although they have very interesting businesses and very interesting business models, uh, CNET. And check free to uh, and Verisign, really three names you may not be real familiar with. Although if you don't know CNET, you will soon. Uh, e Trade, Yahoo, these names—they're just too expensive for a value guy to yeah, be able to you can't buy think about. Uh, and good businesses. There's though, an, there is an interesting. I take a look at Alloy Inc. Interesting company, but too speculative. Val talked about a couple names. I'm going to return to a favorite of mine that we talked about the last time it came up in rotation. Expedia is on page 2238. The symbol is EXPE. About $5 billion market cap, around two times revenue. It looks expensive at a 35% premium to the market at a recent price near $15.5. But I don't think – first, well, let's dispense with valuation first. The valuation is not that expensive. Uh, not only is the 1545 sort of as low as it's traded since it came public uh, a little over a year ago, or since it was spun out a little over a year ago, um, if you look at the free cash flow profile, you're really looking at free cash flow in a dollar and a half to dollar seventy-five range, and at that point, against fifteen and a half dollar stock price with essentially no debt, and I'll come back to that in a second. You're 10 times or below on free cash flow. Companies buying back stock, they're not making acquisitions or doing anything silly like that. They're showing decent organic revenue growth. The, uh, the secret here, if you look at the depreciation, it's uh, running right now, it's running in excess of 10% of revenue. So there's where your hidden free cash flow value is. Uh, and that's, that's where it is now. Now that's going to decline as a percent of revenue over time. So over time, earnings and cash flow will come to uh, come closer to each other than they than they are now. I have a question on uh, this one, though. Yeah, you know, eBay. I made a case that they, you know, will each year that goes by, they'll be more attractive to sellers and more attractive to buyers. Right. Expedia has run into some headwind recently on uh, competitive the competitive environment. What's your take on that? You're sandbagging me. What? Uh, no, no, What no. headwind are you talking well, about? Well, Expedia, you know, increasingly. Uh, well, our listeners know we're not experts on each individual stock. Help out here. They do. Well, I hope they do. I don't know. 
Anyway, no. You know, remember the stock's down a lot on some news. They missed earnings last quarter. Well, they missed last quarter. They put up a uh, barely positive, I'm sorry, two quarters ago, the March quarter, they put up a barely positive comp on revenue, still up, um, but earnings were down. And, uh, yeah, management uh, was said the they were, time. I think they were running into a lot of problems with corporate users creating their own networks and the airlines themselves bypassing them. Yet, just like the last time, and I'd recommend everybody to go back and look at the last value line report on Expedia, this this issue that I'm, we're looking at this week, again, mentions new relationships and contracts they've signed. Five-year deal with U.S. Airways, of course, got to wonder the if they're going to be around the for five years. Oh, I remember this. Right. So they're, they're the engine behind all. They're, right. They've partnered with Sabre, apparently, a technology partnership. That's and, the old uh, American Airlines uh, Right. And they oh, signed actually, up Sofitel that's right. for they own hotels.com. And one of the things I like about this is they're, they're oh, trying yeah. to leverage the platform and to hmm. become a broad provider. They're going to, what they're going to do is they're going to provide the service of gathering reliable and in some cases proprietary by rating the hotels for example you've probably seen all the cute uh, advertisements on television with the crews of guys in black t-shirts and jeans hitting the different hotels and um, there's there's a, an opportunity to I think uh, build a dominant platform in an online space where the uh, the in-person industry is simply being wiped out. The, the 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 actual travel agent that you would use is slowly being destroyed. And as Expedia as this platform develops, I think you can count on more and more tools, um, more and more input, more and more data to help you make good travel selections. And as you build that, you'll gain scale advantages. And um, so you if, think these guys have an annuity on travel, and they're finding their way to get a to, piece of that I in a lot of every to niche. Build one. And as you, you know, pointed out, this is one of the reasons you have to accept a relatively low return on capital, okay, because yeah. I'm overcapitalized because I'm spending to grow. Um, but I think there's a very interesting, uh, especially with the idea of starting to develop some proprietary product, I take advantage of it being way down. Um, you've got some good company here. One of the things that uh, uh, you might have picked up recently it was a good story on uh, Bill Miller and Barron's and... Uh, He's huge in this stock. One of the risks would be the concentrated institutional ownership if things were to go fundamentally bad. But you shouldn't be in the stock if that's what you're expecting, and I wouldn't worry about I mean, Bill Miller and Cap Re at 11%, that's 30% of the company. Um, some pretty smart hands, I think. So that, that makes me feel good. I, I, I then tried to find, you know, what's comparable in the space. Let's do a benchmark on Expedia. Because Value Line doesn't rate it. They say it doesn't have, you know, a short trading history less than a year. They probably need more data for the Value yeah. Line model. So I don't know how they'd rate it, but the the, the analyst clearly likes the stock. Um, I, you know, obviously, we try to make it clear we do as well. I've got Priceline, which is symbol PCLN. You may be familiar. This is the uh, this is William Shatner's online travel company. Yeah. Where, um, you, does uh, he show basically up as a do, Where you basically no, it doesn't. Where you basically do a reverse auction to try to get a very inexpensive, uh, primarily hotel room or airline. I don't ticket. think these two companies are really that comparable. You know, to me, Expedia is a great engine. It's solid. It's like going to the library to find something. You know, it's there and it's going to be good. Priceline to me sounds more like a. You know, it, well, it, thank it's you. It's not as solid. It's more of a carnival atmosphere. And the, and the thing that's kind you of interesting to me. You don't get good service. Me, you have to, you know, it's, you know I don't, I, I don't know. I've, I'm reading between the lines. I don't, I, I don't know the company's history that well, but they had, 
huge uh, revenue growth in the early days, peaked out in the bubble year. Things collapsed, and in recent years, they've, they've sort of restarted top-line growth. They've also, in recent periods, it's not perfectly clear when, entered the European market. Well, the stock's As a okay. novelty. Well, the stock's recovered, Reasoning. I think, because they found another place where they could work this model for a while. But I, I, its very nature is limits itself because, as Value Line points out, they have a niche focus on hotels in second and third tier markets. Yeah, the, um, the value markets. Low-income vacationers may lose their appetite for travel. It says, if, I'll finish it, if they can't afford to put gas in their car. Um there, Value Line mentions no institutional ownership here. I, how could you possibly uh, buy that stock? I also uh, wanted to take a look at something that I hadn't paid close attention to before. I'm fascinated with the business model, Netflix. And I don't, I don't think you have to worry about this company disappearing soon because they apparently have built a huge library, very comprehensive in terms of movies they have available for rental. According to Value Line, over 55,000 different titles. So well, the other thing a company like... If you're looking like, for some obscure Bob Hope Road movie from 1948, they've probably got it. The other thing Netflix has now is they have a database that has, you know, every person's Body tastes in, in every mm. little movie. So even if, you know, the Netflix model doesn't work, they know who wants movies and that whatever channel works, they're going to find them. So that's an important element here. Symbol to give you NFLX, some rated three by Value Line. Um, the value, valuation's a problem here. Uh, the stock's off. Um, there is clearly concern about how they're approaching the uh, downloadable movie market. They're investing heavily in technology to position themselves to leverage the database. Right. In the market where the technology is clearly going to go. So their business of actually mailing hard media through the mail is probably going to go away. I'd be more concerned actually in near term. That'll take a while. It's a little bit like dial-up, right? When you were talking about United Online. It takes a long time the thing to I download a movie. To, the thing you have to worry about here is uh, uh, there's some technology risk because they're apparently investing in technology to be a leader in this field. So you've got that. You've also got competitive entry just into their basic market. Walmart's made a big play here. Um, I've been in Blockbuster a couple times in the last month, and uh, they, they, every time I walk in there, they hit me about joining there. These these companies aren't going to have the depth, but really, how many consumers need a choice of 55,000 titles? Well, I think titles? you have to think about Netflix as having a niche to serve people in a certain way. In terms of downloadable movies, you know, I think Google, if you go to Google Video right now, you'll be surprised what's in there. Uh, you know, it's all about who do the studios want to sign a deal with. And Google, you know, is signing up everyone. And if they don't sign them up, they're going to go with Microsoft or, uh, you know, AOL or Apple. I don't think Netflix is going to get Paramount's library. So that, you know, but the the, you know, the mail market, you can, if you have dial-up, you can get something in the mail faster than you can download a movie anyway. This one's on page 2240. The reason we want to bring it up is I, it seems to me as I look at this that, there's there's been a correction in the stock recently. It's under 20 bucks. It was 33 earlier this year. I'd suggest to you that there will be a future correction after which you'll want to buy this stock. Keep an eye on this because this this whole the the market's going to go away thing and the transition risk will end up taking a toll on the stock. Probably a, a reasonable short from where we are right now. Um, I'd be more inclined to to really? try and because uh, I'm looking at. Uh 
Cash flow, free cash flow per share of two eighty five. Stock at nineteen. I'm looking at capital spending at two fifty five a share. It's been two twenty three, two sixty one. Value lines that's, forecasting flat at two fifty five. Well, that's going to roll off. They say there will eventually be two to two fifty in free cash flow power longer term. Well, it's already a twenty dollars stock against I that. Think, I mean, doesn't that capex have to roll off? I'd, I'd look to get this one cheaper. I also want to uh, put in a plug for uh, a, a little software company that you hmm. might have heard of. Um, let me see if I can pronounce this right. Oh, yes, it's Microsoft. Symbol is oh, yeah. MSFT. Value line rates at three. They lowered their rating two years ago, so they haven't liked it for a long time. It's been They've been basically right. Yeah, the stock's gone sideways. Uh, we've talked about this. The, the, value, the thing that's changed here is uh, the market's starting to... Uh, uh, let the valuation multiples erode. I will remind everybody, there's no debt here. $25 stock with something like $3 in excess cash, so more like $21. Um, looks like free cash flow of $1.65, $1.70 is a reasonable guess. So not hugely expensive for the largest uh, manufacturer, maker of software in the world. We, we talked last well, on our show about their ability to... Well, they have such an annuity. Go uh, back and listen to the old show on Microsoft because we got into the... Any company that could control if all of France's computers go down on a certain date, I think is worth a premium. So and the, right now, you don't have to pay much for this one. The EU's after them. They're, uh, they're trying to... Um, Simply because of the sheer size of the company, and it's far larger than anything that the pathetic Europeans have been able to come up with, uh, except by combining lots of uh, failed state, former state-owned companies. Um, they, they're basically trying to strip wealth out of the business as best they can to humor some of their uh, uh, poorly performing local competitors. Who knows how that'll work, but... Uh, this thing's a behemoth and continues to grow, generates gobs of cash, 40% operating margins, 30-plus percent return on capital, and they've started returning it to shareholders on a regular basis. There's not a lot of yield here, but... Uh... Well, one amazing thing about Microsoft is, as a, for a company of its size, usually incremental return on capital goes down. Your best you know, investment opportunities are in your past, and as you get bigger, your returns fall. These guys are the biggest they've ever been, and their returns on capital are the highest they've, they've ever been. been. And have been and, rising since and, bottoming. Uh, like four I don't years know that ago. you'd find another company in the history of uh, you know the the country that's that's managed that. They have a big uh, they have a big new product slate going on as well as uh, <laughs> uh, not to you know among them of course the uh, uh, the replacement for XP. So. Well, they're they're well behind Google. You know, Microsoft. Microsoft's platform is you buy stuff at the store and you bring it home and you load it on your computer. They're migrating, of course, as fast as they can to an online environment. Beverage oh, the beverage break. break. Well, here I've got my beverage. Clink. Um, so they're migrating people to an online world of faster downloads with their Windows Live and Office Live and all that. And, uh, uh, you know, that's taking some time. The size and resources this company has, if they spent 10% uh, of revenue on R&D, they're spending $4 billion a year and probably more than uh, uh, the free world. They've just launched MSN Space, which, you know, is going to compete with, obviously, MySpace and Facebook and these sorts of social networking sites that have become so valuable. Uh, Google, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just paid uh, News Corp, which bought MySpace not that long ago. Uh, they just paid them $900 million for the rights to... 
manage the advertising on MySpace. You may know or may not know MySpace has not conducted any advertising. It's just built a network. Uh, and that's a lot of value. I don't know what the deal is, but I don't think it's forever. It might be five years or whatever it is. Go check it. But uh, Microsoft is creating one out of nothing. They started it a year ago. Right now it's the fourth largest one. So, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, this there's, is, there's, this they is can the do that anytime. advantage they have because of the scale they have. Right. Sure, MSN.com is not the preferred portal and everybody's... Uh, uh, home well, page. Top 10 traffic, that's all you need. Huge, it's a huge number because of who they are. I've got one more that I'm going to talk about briefly. This is our only stock this week out of the financial group. And huh. it's really... A very I mean, long history to that company. It, yeah, and you could you could call it uh, some kind of conglomerate instead or put it in some other uh, maybe consumer group. But uh, we're talking about Lowe's Corp, symbol LTR. It's about a 20 billion market cap. For those of you who don't know it, and my guess is that could be most of you, they own 91% of CNA Financial, a multi-line insurance company, and their largest, I believe, largest single asset. Uh, they also are a cigarette maker with a Lorillard brand, mm. fairly obscure, not one of the biggest. They own, uh, they own a couple uh, pipeline systems, or 85% of a couple uh, interstate gas pipelines. They own 100% of Bulova, and they own 54% of Diamond Offshore Drilling, which is... Mm. Uh, uh, a high-flying now uh, drill rig operator, I believe, concentrated in the Gulf of Mexico. I'm not sure about that, but hmm. uh, uh, those, uh, and as Value Line points out, they're they're basically their capacity sold out. In this case, uh, they have two jack-up rigs under construction. Um, that means almost guaranteed growth 0708 unless you get a total collapse in the price of oil. So. Um, the reason that you know I looked at this is it starts with well gee it's it's ten and a half times earnings a forty percent discount to the market looks like about twelve times free cash flow but there's there's so much excess cash on this balance sheet it's I mean it's mind boggling net of total debt of five billion they still have probably twenty five billion of excess cash on uh, five hundred million outstanding shares. 550 million outstanding shares. Yeah, they have to have all this cash because of you know the class action suits, et cetera, against the big tobacco companies. Major favorable ruling in their in their favor recently, of course, that uh, basically threw out the uh, threw out the um, the I don't know what they call it the umbrella settlement that um, was reached between federal government and the tobacco companies. And there's going to be ongoing litigation risk there, but it removes a huge barrier to potentially uh, monetizing that asset, and this company does have a history. Not, I, I mean, I don't have a lot of history here from Value Line, but they are portfolio managers. They own part of CBS until 1995, uh, and IPO a piece of the company in 2002. Um, it seems to me that this diamond offshore drilling business is awfully ripe to go. Valuations mm -hmm. across the entire oil services group. We talked about them last week on our show. Are, uh, are at monster levels, so you ought to be a seller here. Um, even Value Line says they haven't been hesitant to take stops in the past. Maybe they'll uh, buy more stock back. They are apparently uh, have started. It looks that way anyway. I, it seems to me that we're in that once a decade sort of unique market environment that promotes something strategic happening. Valuation levels are very attractive. There's billions of dollars of private equity money desperate to do something. You've got large companies electing to go private. 
Um, and you have a lot of pressure on business models in some sectors where, you know, they might have something that would be kind of interesting to somebody, like the insurance business. So um, 20 billion market cap company, I'd say, you know, buy a little piece of this, put it away, and um, you might be glad you did at some point, even though I'm being, a, you know, a little bit speculative. I think the valuation protects me. So uh, Expedia is what we like this week. We meaning you. Me. I'm sorry. Yeah. There I go again with the yeah. we thing. Sorry. Okay. My favorite stock, this is uh, Val. Uh, I really think eBay is something special. I think it's a utility for the long term. It's cheap. So I want to mention that. But I really have this little – I'm also excited about this United Online. It's really a valuation, five times cash flow. Uh, I like that one a lot as well. And that's all I have this week. So thanks this for is, joining uh, us here on the Value Line Observer. This has been Val Hughes. And I'm – get it. And I'm – I had to. No, you didn't get it. And I'm Vern Value. Uh, so long. See you next week. <laughs>